morning, we're going to continue our series, Trained Up, Developing the Skills of Faith by looking at the discipline of gratitude, which is fitting, right? There are a few moments in our calendar where we're like, yes, that holiday fits perfectly in with where we're going on this sermon series, today being one of them. Why not talk about gratitude on Thanksgiving? But some of you might even be thinking, well, why is gratitude a spiritual discipline? I mean, especially as Canadians, right? We're a polite bunch. This is not something that we often think that we struggle with, yet if we really took full inventory of our lives, I think that we could all admit that at one point or another, we struggle to maintain the attitude of gratitude. Isn't it perfect how it rhymes? The attitude of gratitude in this living out of faith. And this morning, we're not going to use thankfulness and gratitude interchangeably. Rather, we're going to think of gratitude as thankfulness plus. And here's what I mean. According to Merriam-Webster in the dictionary, being thankful is expressing thanks for a benefit we consciously received. We know exactly what we were given, and we express our appreciation for that act, gift, etc. It's very much an in-the-moment response to kindness performed towards us. Gratitude, on the other hand, is that plus affording pleasure or contentment. Gratitude carries the feeling of thankfulness far past the act— of kindness performed towards us, it prolongs that feeling. But it's also more than what we just consciously receive. In fact, it was very interesting as I was looking through both of these words that they are both expressing appreciation for something received, but where thankfulness had that word consciously, gratitude did not. And so I think it's implied that maybe gratitude goes beyond just that what we experience to an element of faith. Of in faith knowing that someone is expressing this maybe if we can't see it or feel it. And we feel grateful and not thankful. Gratitude is thankfulness plus. Being thankful is an action. Being grateful is an attitude and it's hard because it's much easier to express thanks when somebody gives you a gift and you can open it and touch it and see it but to express thanks when you can't when all you have to go on is faith that that is in your life that is a lot harder and that's what makes gratitude a discipline because it's a choice I either choose to see it or I choose not to. And so this morning, we're going to go with this. Gratitude is recognizing and celebrating the presence and participation of God in our lives. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that we have been given every good and perfect gift by you. And so this morning, would you open our eyes to see how you are present and participating in our lives because I believe that God you're always speaking to us and you are always there whether we choose to listen 
whether we choose to have an awareness of you is the question. And so this morning, would you help us to just be convicted, to have eyes to see and ears to hear what you are doing in our, through our lives. Thank you for your word and for your words. And as always, God, would you allow words birthed in my own flesh to just drift away on the wind, but you, spirit of truth, you are the one who speaks and causes change. And so may your words go forth this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we had our Thanksgiving dinner yesterday, and some of you were kind of following along on Instagram as I was posting all the delicious smells that were going through my kitchen with turkey brine and apple cider. It was Lucas's idea so that we could have Thanksgiving leftovers for the rest of the long weekend, right? Thanksgiving leftovers are the best. And so we decided we would make this dinner early. And in just typical Lisa Mitchell fashion, after brining our turkey for 24 hours like you're supposed to, supposedly, it's only the second time I've had to make a turkey, all of that salmonella-soaked turkey brine ended up on my kitchen floor. Yeah, it was a really, really fun morning. And so after having a little bit of a freak out that the dog is getting into the turkey juice and sending the whole family with the dog out on a hike so that I could clean up my salmonella juice on my floor, I went to shower because it's just feels gross, right, to know that you're covered in that bacteria, and have a pity party. Like, that was my plan. Like, this is all clean now. I'm going to go have a shower and a pity party. And ladies, I was entitled to it, right? I mean, yeah, I think so. But you know what? God didn't think so. This is the moral of my story, is that as I'm getting ready to have my pity party and my woe is me, for having to clean up this disgusting mess and now do laundry because every towel in my home is filled with turkey brine. God just brought back to my memory something that I had read years ago, and so I went on my computer and found it so that I could show it to you. And it's just this next slide here. And as I was there in my bathroom wanting to have my pity party, and God's dropping this nugget of truth into my heart. Can you put the next, oh, no, go back. There we go, perfect. I am grateful for, and I started to think of this, I'm grateful for early wake-ups, because it means children to love. I'm grateful for a house to clean, because it means a safe place to live. I'm thankful for laundry, because it means clothes to wear. And I sat there fully intending to have a pity party, and God said, uh-uh. No, you're going to be thankful for turkey brine on the kitchen floor because it means that you have food to eat and you have a home to clean. And you, you have children that you love and a husband that you love to protect by sending them out so that they don't get food poisoning. And you have the strength to clean and to cook, and you have clothes to change into, and you have hot water to be cleansed in, and you have it far better than many in this world. 
And so I sat there in my bathroom, not in my pity party, but in a moment of gratitude. And I think this is really what gratitude is. It forces us to take our eyes off of the mess that we find ourselves in and focus them back where they belong, back on the goodness of God. Back not on the zoomed-in filth that we find ourselves in in the moment, but once again zoomed out to see how incredibly rich and blessed we truly are. It focuses us on the giver of every good and perfect gift, and it's very humbling, isn't it? It's very humbling to sit and look at everything in our life as a gift from God, even turkey brine on the kitchen floor. Because it means that we have to recognize that we had zero part in it. It means that we can't take credit for our strength. We can't take credit for our job. We can't take credit for our money. We, ta- take, we can't take credit for our relationships. Yeah, we were good stewards of them, absolutely, but gratitude means recognizing each and every one as a grace extended towards us. And that bursts contentment and dependence within us. It brings us back to proper alignment. And again, this is a discipline because I get to choose. This isn't mandated. I get to choose to view my life through a filter of self-sufficiency or a filter of humanity. I get to choose. But when I choose to view my life through a filter of humility, then I start to recognize where God has been present and participating in my life, and it brings me back to a place of dependence upon Jesus. And as I was thinking about maturity, and I was thinking like spiritual maturity and human maturity, and they're two different things, and we like to, like, some, there's some overlap. But I say as a parent, my job to raise two mature children is when they get to a place where they're independent, self-sufficient, contributing adults. That's my goal. To see them mature as humans. But to see someone mature as a follower of Jesus actually means to see us become far less dependent than, or less independent than we've ever been. To see us relying on Jesus for everything. And we're not going to see it. We're not going to go there without gratitude. Without realizing that he is the one who gives it to us. Listen to what Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7 say about living out this faith. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The humility of gratitude is a mile marker on this path of looking more and more like Jesus. When we choose to see all we have 
and experience as a gift, when we choose to recognize God's presence and participation in our lives, when we choose to celebrate it, that's when we begin to choose gratitude in our lives. And so that gratitude bursts that dependence upon Christ, but it also bursts hope. And it's because we can't recognize the presence and participation of God in our lives without getting a little bit excited, right? Like when you start to think through, we all have those moments where you start to think back on your life and you think, man, if I hadn't got held up at work and I had just been out the door that five minutes earlier, I would have been part of that accident. Oh, if this accident, if I had just driven one foot further into the intersection when that car hit. And when we start to really think through those moments when we would just call it coincidence, fate, near miss, we start to see the presence and participation of God in our lives, there is something that starts happening. This awe that starts to happen as we go, wow, God, you are present and active far more than I give you credit for. And it starts to bubble up this hope within us. In Proverbs 3, verses 33 to 34, it says, The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. And I love this because probably like you, I absolutely want the blessing and favor of God in my life. And if gratitude bursts humility and dependence in my heart, then I can stand firm on the promise of God that God is going to show favor to the humble and oppressed. But I want to do a time out here because this word favor is kane in Hebrew. And it means grace or favor in the way where one would display his fondness or compassion for another. And it actually shows up in the most interesting places, this word. It shows up in the life of Noah, right before he builds the ark. It shows up in the life of Lot while he's still in Sodom and Gomorrah. It shows up in the life of Deborah, Jacob's daughter. It shows up in the life of Joseph, in Potiphar's house, in the prison, and in the palace, over and over and over again. This favor, Kane, is not an easy favor. This is not an easy path to walk for each one of these individuals, and there are more. There were incredible challenges that accompanied this favor. Very hard roads to walk out. In church, we love our easy roads. We love when God smooths all the bumps. If you are a millennial or younger, right, this is where we see hashtag blessed. Pulled into the grocery store and there was a parking spot right there. Two spots from the front, hashtag blessed. We love our easy roads. But Kane, this favor is not one of them. 
church, I want you to hear me this morning. Don't be deceived into thinking that because your road is challenging or your road is bumpy or it looks like there are roadblocks that you are not walking in the favor of God because that is not what the Bible is saying. Because then neither was Noah before he built the ark. And neither was Lot before he was saved. And neither was Joseph before he made it to the palace. No. It just means that you're not at the end of your road yet. Because hope was never built on our circumstances. Hope was always built on the person of God. And his presence and participation in our life. And that might be in ways conscious like thankfulness but it might be in ways unconscious like gratitude and so when the road is bumpy and when the road is challenging and we don't see what we believe the favor and blessing of God should look like still choose gratitude choose to stand in faith Romans 5, 1 to 5 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured out into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us sometimes we're gonna see it and absolutely praise god when we see god's presence and participation in our life but sometimes God is moving in ways that we can't recognize yet and so we have to stand in faith and thank him anyway we need to stand in faith and declare the promises of God that we read in the word Craig Rochelle one of our favorite speakers says your emotions will follow your obedience Even when you don't feel it, choose it. That's why it's a discipline. Choose it. I love David. He is probably next to God, my favorite character person in the Bible. Character sounds like it's fake historical person. And I love that in his wisdom, God allowed us to have all of David's life. Because all of David's life is the full spectrum of human emotion, right? In David, we see this man who went from, like, top of the world to dejected and lonely and angry and grieved. We see him at his best and we see him at his worst. And still, what does God declare him to be? A man after his own heart. And I just want to pull a few things out of David's life. 
When David's running from Saul, he wrote this, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. When David was still running from Saul, but betrayed by those people that he had taken refuge with, he wrote, I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. Later on in David's life, after he's become a father, and we know he wasn't very good at it, and so one of his sons decided he was going to usurp the throne, and now David is on the run for his life from his own son. He writes this, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear tens of thousands, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Church, sometimes we're going to feel gratitude, but sometimes, like David, we say it even though I'm sure David was not feeling gratitude or praise in those moments. We choose it. And make no mistake, when we choose it, we're doing war. We are going to battle against the enemy of our soul. Because when we fill our hearts with gratitude, we choose victory. We choose the hope that we have in Jesus because our hope is not on circumstance, it's on person. And we choose that person. And when we do that, when we fill our heart and our mind with all of the promises of God, with all of the character of God, with all of the ways that God is present and participating in our life, we actually leave no room left in there for the complaints and critiques of God. We choose to give God what he's worthy of, our praise. And when we do that, what have we been promised? That God inhabits it. And just like darkness cannot exist in light, the enemy of our soul and all that he brings with him cannot exist in the presence of God. So when we choose gratitude, when we choose to declare the praises and the promises of God, even when we don't feel like it, We've crossed over from just gratitude to a sacrifice of praise. We've crossed over from just gratitude into warfare. We've chosen to leave our enemy no room. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us because God in all of his mercy always gives us something better whenever we lay something of ours down. Always. I've been really struggling with the word good lately. Um, those that know me know that this is a a bit of a word just for me personally on my journey of, of being a person because it was a word that was used to define or to 
describe maybe is a better word. Um, all that I did, like play a song at a piano recital, that was really good. And that for a lot of people, that would be good enough. But for perfectionist Lisa, good was not good. Good was subpar. I wanted And so I've really been struggling with this word that we use to define God a lot. Right? And I say it, God is so good. God is so good. And he is. He is absolutely good. But can I throw out a few different words for you? God is kind to us. I've been kind of knocked over by that word lately, and you, if you're listening to reckless, lo- reckless love, yes. Yes. Then you'll have heard that word in the chorus, and I've been really kind of knocked over by it. God, you're kind to me. Look, God, you're tender-hearted to me. I actually have a soft spot in your heart. God, you're compassionate to me. They all mean the same thing. But whether you have eyes to see or not right now, whether you're feeling the emotion of God being good and present and active in your life or not, can I just speak that truth over you? God is kind and tender-hearted and gentle and compassionate towards you. You have a soft spot in his heart. And he is absolutely present and active in your life. And so the question this morning isn't, is God? It's, will we choose to see it? And if we choose to see it, will we choose to celebrate it? And maybe this morning you're like, yeah, that's fine, but Lisa, I'm not even sure that I believe that Jesus exists. We're going to like, close in just a few minutes, I'd love to have coffee for you right here. Right here, right now. Just come find me. And I'd love to share with you why I am convinced that Jesus is real and active in your life. And you have nothing to lose because you get coffee, which is delicious. But you have everything to find everything. But this morning, if you know Jesus, if you know the God of the universe who loves you, would you choose gratitude? Would you choose to allow the humility and dependence and hope of that discipline to be birthed in your life? Not so that circumstances change but to be reminded of the giver 
of every good and perfect gift. We're going to end in a second, and we don't have very long, so I'm just going to let the worship team get their little heads-up notice, because I want to end with this video. You know, over and over, we're told to have the faith of a child. And this morning, I want us just to think through as this adorable little girl reminds us about gratitude. Are we this gracious? Are we this grateful with God in all of the gifts that he gives us?